This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and for the summer months on the Bobcast, we are taking a trip down memory lane with student athletes and coaches from the past. This week, with Major League Baseball's season finally starting, we take a deep dive into Bates Baseball's past as we learn about the Bobcats' first big leaguer, Harry Lord, from the class of 1908. During his nine seasons in the Major Leagues, Lord captained both the Boston Red Sox and the Chicago White Sox and spent a year in the Outlaw Federal League. And recently, Bob Muldoon from the class of 1981 found out a bit more about Lord's time as a Bobcat. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Bob Muldoon graduated from Bates in 1981 with a degree in economics and earned a master's from Columbia in 1991. He played a year of lacrosse at Bates for Webb Harrison and later became a bit of a boxer at Columbia. But his real passion? Early 20th century baseball. Recently, Muldoon found himself looking up the story of Harry Lord, a Mainer from the class of 1908. Starting in the fall of 1904, Lord only spent a little under a year on the Bates campus as a student. But his story is a wild one, culminating in him playing nine years in Major League Baseball and returning to Bates during World War I to coach the team he'd left in the lurch 13 years earlier. Muldoon is the author of a novel on his beloved Hartford Whalers hockey team, but this story about an early Bates baseball great is all true. Here's Muldoon on his interest in history, the Bobcats, and Harry Lord. As a boy... I was interested in baseball history, early baseball history near the turn of the century because it seemed like the players were very colorful and there were a lot of characters. It seemed less of a business then. So I I had that interest. My uncle Warren of Lowell, Massachusetts challenged me to recite Casey at the Bat by heart. So I learned that as a boy and my fondness for baseball kind of grew. I was reading a lot of um, early baseball history. In fact, I can recall when I was coming up to Bates as a freshman, I was reading a book, a biography of Ty Cobb. And in that book, there's a tragic story. Ty Cobb's father returned unexpectedly from a business trip to his home and his mother mistook him for an intruder and killed him. And I remember telling that anecdote to my new roommate, uh, Sam Rodman, who's now an Episcopal bishop uh, in North Carolina. And I think Sam didn't know what to make of a new roommate who was talking about someone being killed in their own room or house. And (laughs) I'm not sure if that caused him to pray a little more, but long story short, I had this interest and at, at some point, I, I can't remember exactly when Harry Lord came on my radar screen, but reading, reading a lot of that history, it, it's, it mentioned Harry Lord of Bates College. And he was a star. In, in 1909, he was the captain of the Boston Red Sox, and he batted 315 with 89 runs scored and 36 stolen bases. And he was fourth in the league in average behind three Hall of Famers, um, Ty Cobb, Eddie Collins, and Nap LeJoie. So, I mean, I was fascinated that here was this Bates guy. And he, 
you know, in 1911, he even did better. By then, he was playing, he was the captain of the Chicago White Sox. He had 326, 103 runs scored, 43 stolen bases. So it interested me that there was a, a Bates guy who was the star in, in, in baseball at the turn of the century. And at, at some point, I, I, you know, I was interested in him. I went on eBay and I ordered a card that uh, a Harry Lord T206 baseball card, a tobacco card which is of the same vintage as the famous Honus Wagner card, that T206 card that went on auction for over a million. And I also got a Harry Lord pin. Um, you know, I wasn't spending a lot of money on these things, but it kind of was dormant there until recently. I was on a Bates College Facebook page called Sons of Slavensky for Track Guys. And I started conversing with, uh, Ira Waldman, class of 73, who um, expressed an interest, you know, that Bates should have a Hall of Fame for its, uh, for its athletic great athletes and its heritage, and uh, started conversing with him. And he kind of lit a fire under me to, you know, to, that that was a cool idea. And then I wanted to learn more about Harry Lord. You know, I know about his pro career a little bit, but I didn't know anything about his Bates career. You know, it, all it said was Harry Lord, class of 08. It, like, if you go on Wikipedia, it says Harry Lord graduated from Bates College in 1908 and was a pitcher. And, you know, there are newspaper articles from that time which also referred to him as a Bates graduate. And even the Bates student in 2014 did a, um, you know, the 10 greatest athletes in Bates history, and they referred to Harry Lord as a, as a Bates graduate. So uh, that's... I wanted, I wanted to look more into his Bates life, but I didn't really know how to do it. So Ira kind of got me started on, um, you know, you, you can go into the old Bates student um, newspapers. They're all digitized. You can go to the, uh, the Bates yearbooks, the mirror, they're digitized. And then he, he, he also gave me some hints on um, archives of old newspapers, you know, and like the, Lewiston Sun and the Lewiston Evening Journal and the Boston Paper. So that's where I really got excited about, like, shed a light on this unknown part of Harry Lloyd's life. You know, this, this Bates, you know, what did he do at Bates College? He, he started out in 1904. Yeah, and, and so for Harry Lord, 1904, he steps on campus. He actually makes a big impact for the football team that fall. And then... <laughs> Starts on the baseball team in 05, but then something kind of went awry and ended up playing against Bates later in that year. Tell us about that. Yeah, he played football the whole season, and yeah. he was kind of a star. Uh, he, he scored two touchdowns against Colby, had an 80-yard run. Uh, but, but also in the Col Colby game, he was ejected for what they called uh, slugging, which I guess was fighting. That game, Bates won big 23-0, and, <laughs> you know, it got out of hand. So the baseball season started, and as the season started, Bates had incredibly, and this, this was eye-opening to me, two future major league players on the team, a guy named C.W. Messenger, Charles Walter Messenger, and Harry Lord. And both Messenger and Lord had played football, and they were both stars of the team. So the first game, Bates had two future major league players. But after the second game, Messenger just disappeared from campus. So that's a mystery to me. But getting back to Lord, so Lord played 
and was the star of the baseball team. You know, he, he, he was third base. Uh, he led off. He hit a home run in his first game that they played against Hebron. That was the game that, that uh, this, this other guy, Messenger, was there. But um, at one point in the season, his play started curtailing. And it turns out Harry met a woman and fell in love after the University of Maine game, which was like the ninth game in the season. And then he just disappeared. He stopped playing. And it turned out that he got married. He was 22 years old, uh, which was a little old for a freshman in that era, but they didn't always do it exactly like we do it. You know, maybe they, I don't know if they were taking gap years, but so, Harry suddenly disappeared. The more I researched, though, and so I kept reading, you know, I kept following in the papers. Harry wasn't showing up for games. Then all of a sudden, Harry appeared playing for a team. Bates was playing a team called the Portland Pine Tree Athletic Association. And Harry suddenly appeared playing for that team against Bates, leading off and playing third base. It was a semi-pro team, and I think Harry had played there the season before, I mean, the summer before Bates and was getting $25 a game. So he, he dropped out of Bates, returned to that summer league team for $25 a game and played against Bates. It was astounding to me. And that year's 1905 Bates baseball team actually had one of their worst records in quite some time to fight starting the year with two major leaguers, but both ended up leaving the team. I mean, that's, that's pretty tough luck, isn't it? Yeah. Their record that year ended up being three and thirteen. And looking back in the base, that was their worst season in twenty-one years. After Harry got married and and left the team, Bates played Colby in two games. And Colby had a pitcher named Jack Coombs, who ended up being a star major league player for the Philadelphia Athletics. He graduated from Colby in nineteen oh six as a chemistry major, and Right after graduating from Colby in 1906, within a week, he pitched a shutout for the Philadelphia Athletics under Connie Mack. But the sad part of the story, at least for baseball buffs, is Harry never faced, whose nickname became Colby Jack Combs, in the two, um, in the two games that Colby played against Bates. He, he had dropped off the team by then. After he leaves Bates, you know, he's playing for, you know, I guess you could say semi-pro you know, there wasn't an official minor league system. There were kind of minor league teams, basically. Um, how did he end up, you know, emerging and debuting with the Red Sox just a few years later? He ended up taking a job in 1905 in Boston as a collector for some firm. And he wasn't happy. You know, it was a business job. And he happened to be coming home from Boston on for Christmas Eve. He was on a boat from Boston to Portland. And he happened to bump into his old football coach at Bates, whose name is Royce Davis Purinton, who was class of uh, 1900 and who had coached the 1904 football team. And Harry expressed his dissatisfaction with, um, you know, life as a businessman in Boston. And uh, his Bates coach Purinton said, well, why don't you try baseball, professional baseball? And I guess Harry's eyes lit up and, uh, Carrington had some connections in the New England League. He knew a guy named Fred Doe, who was the owner of the, new, the team, the New Bedford Whalers in uh, New Bedford, Massachusetts. 
and he arranged for Harry to have a tryout in uh, 1906. And Harry made the team and was a star. You know, as his star started rising. He had a long major, uh, you know, pretty long major league career, um, but he definitely he liked to stir the pot a little bit. I, you know, he kind of forced his way out of Boston, went to Chicago, forced his way out of there, went to the Federal League at the end of his career. So it, it seems like his personality was one where he definitely had his um, opinions about things and 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 <laughs> made them known. It sounds like is that fair? Yeah, he was a hard-headed guy. I mean, <laughs> you know, it it kind of you got maybe uh, a preview of that at Bates where he, you know, he had the slugging uh, uh, incident against Colby in football where he got kicked out. And then he, he dropped out of Bates, you know, and started playing against them. He was the captain of the Red Sox in 1909 and uh, had that great season where he was fourth in batting. And then in 1910, he got hit by a pitch uh, from Walter Johnson, the Hall of Fame pitcher, uh, who was one of the hardest throwers. And Harry wanted to take some time off, you know, go back to Maine and recuperate. And the, and the manager and owner didn't like that idea, but Harry insisted on it. And things soured pretty quickly from there. He, he came back and he was a little bit persona non grata and his they gave his position to someone else and they weren't letting him have it back. So Harry was traded in 1910, you know, after this um, incident to the Chicago White Sox. And he finished the season there as a torrid hitter, you know, almost hit 300 for the last 40 games of the season. And then he became the captain of the White Sox. And there were newspaper accounts that, that, uh, Harry Lord, the Bates graduate, you know, brainy Harry Lord might be someday the manager of the Chicago White Sox. But as you alluded to, he, hard-headed Harry, had his problems there. In 1914, he he was dissatisfied with his contract. The owner, Charles Comiskey, was notoriously uh, miserly. And... um, Harry was griping about that, and, and he also was griping about his manager forcing him to take signals to either hit or take. And so he kind of walked out of the Chicago White Sox in 1914. And uh, he kind of reemerged on Bates' radar screen after that. In 1914, Bates was having its first alumni parade reunion, and there was a story in the Bates student saying that Harry Lord, um, it didn't say Harry Lord class of 08. It says that Harry Lord is rumored to be in attendance at this uh, first alumni day parade. You know, he had left baseball and so in, in May of that year, so he, he had some free time. In the 1915 season, he, he jumped to this new league, the Federal League, which was a third major league. They were calling it the Outlaw League. And he was a big name and he, he he was the player manager for Buffalo, the Buffalo uh, Blues. And they were called Harry Lord's Fighting Federal League Team. And there was a Harry Lord Day. And he was a bona fide uh, big league star, you know, giving this new league uh, credibility and, and uh, glamour. It's funny you mentioned uh, the White Sox, going back to them real quick before we get to his uh, 
short coaching career with Bates. But with the White Sox, he was reunited with uh, Mr. Messenger, who is even more mysterious figure. Like a, a fair amount is known about Harry Lawrence, a matter of finding it. But this Bobby Messenger went to Bates, apparently, and then <laughs> played for the White Sox um, with Harry Lord. I mean, he's even more mysterious figure, isn't he? Yeah. This is a guy I, I really am interested in learning more about because he, he came to Bates in 1904, played the whole football season. Actually, he, he's, him and Harry Lloyd, at, Harry Lord at one point were in the backfield. Lord weighed 160, uh, Messenger weighed 148. But Messenger had a bad fumble in uh, one of the games, so they moved them over to ends. And back in that era, um, they didn't pass. You know, 1906, the forward pass became legal, and this was 1904. But Messenger did kick uh, the extra points and also the kickoffs. And back then, a touchdown was five points, and an extra point kick was one point. So he played the whole football season. He played the first game of baseball against Hebron Academy, had two stolen bases, three hits, I believe, you know, with, and, and the, they won big. And then, boom, the, the trail goes cold at Bates. Never again is he in a baseball roster or mentioned anywhere. And all of a sudden he emerges, as you point out, in 1909, Charles Walter, whose nickname was Bobby Messenger, played baseball for the Chicago White Sox from 1909 to 1911. And that was while Harry Lord uh, came to the team in 1910. So Lord and Messenger, who were backfield mates at Bates, might have lived in Parker Hall together, you know, played, started playing baseball together, played for the Chicago White Sox uh, for a couple seasons. Yeah, Messenger was not a star. I think he played 57 games over the course of parts of four seasons, and his lifetime average was 172. But, you know, he made, it, he made it to the big leagues. And then 1918, Harry Lord returns to Bates. After an 05 season that saw Bates go 3-11, only a few of those games did Harry play in. He returns to Bates as, a, as their head coach in 1918, kind of an emergency role, and leads him to a 4-4 record. Obviously, maybe add a little bit more context to why he returned uh, and the reason behind that. Kind of a sad reason, really, right? Yeah. I mean, in researching Harry Lord's life, there were so many Dickensian twists, like people that he would meet at one point in his life early on, they would come back into his life in strange ways, like, you know, that like messenger, like we talked about. And his coach, um, the football coach, Royce Davis Charrington, already had mentioned where he happened to meet him on a boat coming back from Boston and Royce Davis Charrington uh, Bates class of 00, got him the tryout, you know, that launched his major league career. Well, Royce Purinton was, became the athletic director at Bates. So he was the football coach from 1904 to like to 1917. He was the baseball coach roughly those years, but he also was the athletic director. With the start of World War I, Purinton volunteered to be a trainer going to France and training troops um, under the auspices of the YMCA. So he left his Bates uh, coaching career, volunteered, went 
to France, uh, trained the troops. At some point, he, act, he also was on the front line. When he came back from World War uh, I, he wasn't the same man he was, a man of great vigor. He returned to Bates in 1919, but something had happened to him overseas. And he ended up dying um, within months after his return from World War I. And he was buried, uh, you know, there was, all of the campus was in mourning. I mean, he had been the athletic, the coach and athletic director and baseball coach for, uh, you know, for close to 20 years. And uh, they thought maybe he had tuberculosis, but they did test and he didn't have tuberculosis. But I often found myself, I found myself wondering, there was a baseball player named Christy Mathewson, who also was in World War One, and he was exposed to gas in some training exercise. And he returned and never was the same man and died in a sanitarium, which is exact, you know, Royce Davis Purinton died in a sanitarium in Lewiston. I'm not sure if he was exposed to gas, but it is true that he came back uh, from World War One and died very shortly after in, in his early 40s. But when he was gone for the 1918 season, Bates needed an interim coach. There was a committee and they turned to Harry Lord. So I, I don't know if Harry Lord was trying to do his old school a, a good turn after, after um, you know, leaving them mid-season and then worse than that being a Benedict Arnold uh, playing against them twice um, for the Portland Pine Tree Association. Both, both games Bates lost and Harry let off for the above. But Harry Lord came back to Bates and um, coached the war short, shortened 1918 team to a four and four record. And there's a note in the, in the Bates student that even during the season, uh, at least one player on the baseball team was drafted. So yeah, Harry Lord returned, returned to Bates. Any other thoughts you want to share about, you know, the early days of, uh, of, Bates, of Bates baseball, stuff you're maybe excited to look up even further about, you know, some of these, you know, turn of the century, and by turn of the century, I mean 19th to 20th century guys uh, who played for the Bobcats. Because this, this program, Bates baseball, they've been, they've been, it's been around. It's one of the oldest programs at Bates, 1872, their first game officially we have on record. So, I mean, some of the stuff might be hard to find, but it seems like there's a lot that could be revealed, I guess, through more research, right? The research was so fascinating to see how his, his life intersected. Uh, one other quick reference. Bates played Holy Cross, who was in football, and they were, they were one of the top teams in the country. And they had a halfback named uh, Bill Carrigan, yes. who was a Lewiston native. And um, he and so... Bates uh, played Holy Cross with, with, with Bill Carrigan, who ended up, again, playing on the Boston Red Sox with Harry Lord and one of these, again, these Dickensian overlaps of life. Um, and Carrigan, um, he was with the Red Sox for like 10 years, um, including overlapping with Harry Lord a couple of seasons. He was Babe Ruth's, he was a, he was a player manager um, they won two world championships under him in 1915 and 1916. And Bill Carrigan returned to Lewiston after his uh, major league career with the Red Sox and ended up coaching Bates baseball in 1933 and 1934. And he's actually buried 
in uh, a cemetery in Lewiston, not, you know, the same cemetery as Royce Davis' parents and the, uh, the athletic director. You graduated from Bates in 1981, and your sports connection with Bates, uh, you played in the early days of the men's lacrosse team under Webb Harrison. I know it's kind of a pivot from baseball, but I did want to get kind of your recollections on those early days of the men's lacrosse team a little bit also. Yeah, in 1979, uh, Bates had just started a lacrosse program. It was the second year. And so Webb Harrison, who was the football coach, um, needed to field a team. So there were some good lacrosse players on campus, um, such as Rand Hopkinson, Peter Helm, um, Tom Johnson. But Webb also needed to get more, more players. So we recruited a lot of good football player athletes, like um, Jeff Melvin, who's class of 82, who, who had a son named Andrew Melvin, who was a, a real lacrosse star. But Jeff was a football player. Craig Cummins was a football player. So he recruited some of his good football player athletes to fill the roster. But there was a third cat. They, they also needed some warm bodies. <laughs> so I fit that mold. So he took a few people uh, who had no athletic pedigree. Uh, I was one of them. A, a friend of mine named Paul Hudson was one of them. Another guy named Brent Smith, who was a, uh, actually the captain of his high school football team and a, and a man who later became a captain in the Marines. He joined the team too. And the three of us formed a line that was called that we called the Keystone Middies. We were uh, just comical and inept. The, the ball could wind up anywhere except for the opponent's net. Between having some good football player athletes and some of the natural lacrosse athletes and, you know, the warm bodies just to fill out the roster, Webb uh, molded that team, you know, <laughs> started the Bates lacrosse dynasty. Your recollections of Webb as a, as a head coach, because he obviously created the, uh, the phrase, it's a great day to be a Bobcat, pretty famous uh, line that everyone still, you know, says today and everything. But w what are some maybe Webb Harrison stories that you recall? You know, he was new to lacrosse, but he was very diligent. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think he knew to let some of the, you know, let some of the uh, seasoned lacrosse players, you know, give him a lot of input. But he was in control, and, and he uh, had a vision, I think, that Bates Lacrosse over time could grow into something. And he, uh, he was the founding father. And, uh, you know, now, now it's, I think, one of, the, one of the most successful sports on the campus. So, you know, he was, he was uh, an icon. All right, well, Bob, thank you so much again. Really appreciate it. I'm sure people will love this peek back into the um, kind of early 20th century of Bates baseball and um, our first big leaguer there, Harry Lord. Uh, thank you so much again for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Aaron. Really love the Bates Bobcast. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll interview another Bobcat from days gone by. Find out who next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my brother.